When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Friday morning, and of course, later on tonight, Curtis is going to put on his white suit and his black button-down shirt, head on over to 2001. Bernard once said about Curtis, who was known to have a good time, I like that about Curtis, that he would go to the Christmas parties, and somebody once said to him, we didn't know who Curtis was, this is the truth, he said, and I quote, does that guy have polio? But I think he was just jealous because I think Curtis could actually bust the old Brooklyn move. And he loves the Bee Gees. And he loves that song, as he should. And that does take us back to uh, Stephanie Mangano sitting by the window in her Brooklyn brownstone when she said to John Travolta, she said, Can you be friends with a girl? And he looked at her and he said, I could try. And that was the end of the movie. That was it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, anyway. No, you can't be friends with a girl. Let, let me straighten that out. You can't be? You cannot be friends what, what, with what, a woman or a What if a girl. she's fat and not that good looking? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No, really? No, no, no. no. God, you are dirty. Associate, yes. But friend, no. Absolutely not. Now, why not? No. Can't I, do it. Can't do it. There's no way. Well, look at you. You married like ten women. So I understand. They that. were probably your friend at one point. And when I was a whirling dervish on the dance floor, you still can dance. I still. Would, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would tell the young ladies. Never when I when I was married, I would only dance with my wife. I right. would not dance with anyone else. Right. But, but you made sure you weren't married a lot. So <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would single. I would tell the young lady after we would do a slow jam, a grind. You better go for a pregnancy test <laughs> in the morning. 
You know what? What, what, you what do you mean? That? What do you mean by that? Uh, that's Tracy that's Morgan says that. Tracy yes. Morgan says well, yes. you, you can get him pregnant just by looking at him, yeah. basically. Yeah. 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 So you're the white Tracy Morgan. Oh yeah, and I, I got to tell you, feet don't fail you now. <laughs> yeah. You know, going into clubs, most of these guys don't dance. They just sit there and they watch their women dance well, with that's other what I women. Mean. I would, I would go into the club. Right. First of all, I'd spend most of the time in the bathroom stall. Yeah. You know what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank God that's over. And then. I would just kind of nod my head as if I knew how to dance. And then when I did dance, I knew I was awful, but I guess I was Well, you cute, were waiting so. for the horror to play so a guy could get up and you could be doing a, a dance like <laughs> like the Orthodox and yeah. the Hasidic do with men, back and forth, well, my back problem and forth. was all of my buddies, my next-door neighbor, Joseph Iobon, great-looking guy, you yeah. know, the, the Pontiac Firebird, the muscles. Oh, oh muscle his, car, yeah. yeah. His cousin, Anthony Corsaro and Billy. And all these guys were great-looking guys from Brooklyn. Uh, Joseph and I lived on Quentin Road. The Corsaros lived in Diker Heights. The Terminias out in New Jersey now. They were all great-looking, all of them. So we'd go to a club, and I would just kind of get lost with them. And I would do okay every now and then based on their success. But they would go on the floor, and it was like they cleared it like Travolta. You had to. You had to because then uh, the ladies were just, like, throwing themselves at you. You could have been the ugliest guy in the world, but they wanted a guy to dance with. They're tired of dancing with women. Yes. Uh, but the problem is, if some Gabon was I fornicating you and mad-dogging you, you understood, that's that guy's lady. It's time for me to get the hell out of here because, you know, while you're dancing, he's getting all of his crew together, and they're going to beat you down in the parking lot. Funny you say that. There wasn't one Friday night, not one, the underground the Palladium, Xenon, Bedrocks, Long Island, you name it. There was not one Friday night where I didn't come home bloodied and battered. Absolutely. Because my Brooklyn boys, they were ready to go. Oh, and not only that, but when you're street fighting, you look at you. If it's a Jew you're fighting or an Italian, they got the big schnoz. Just hit them in the (laughs) schnoz. They're going to bleed all over the polyester shirt. You know, whatever jacket they wear. Where's the Irish guy? They don't matter. Hit me with a chair, a Uh, club. Just beat the hell out of me. I want to be like Jake Lamar. You didn't knock me down. I don't know Irish guys with us. uh, You know, uh, in fact, when I wanted to be with the Irish, I would make my way to Flatbush Avenue. Not far from my buddy George Libertaro's uh, Oasis Diner. And they had like four bars. They were big back then. You had Captain Walters in Sheepshead Bay. That was a big Thursday night hangout. You had Wheelers in Sheepshead Bay. Big Tuesday night hangout. China Club Monday night in New York City. But the Flappish Avenue bars were uh, Cuckoo's Nest. That was huge. Gallagher's, Night Owl. That's where the Irish were. They couldn't come with us to the city. I'd stay out of all the bars because everybody's looking to start a fight in a gin mill, especially the Irish. They know you one minute. They're shaking your hand. Hey, Curtis. And then uh, an hour later, it's like they never saw they you before. Beat they you up. I know. Beat the hell I know, but, but it's very easy to stop it. Just buy him a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me this. Uh, last night, you did it again. Before we get to last uh, okay. night, okay. I was really disturbed by your list of the all-time great no, that's middle linebackers. My, that's not my list. That's an ESPN yeah, list. You signed on to it. No, I agree that Ray Lewis is the best middle linebacker ever. Absolutely ever. not. 100%. Look, Ray Lewis, 16 years, right? Local guy, Lakeland, Florida, went to University of Miami. That's why you love, love him, Hurricane. Oh, because he, he, that Baltimore Ravens team had Trent Dilfer at quarterback I and saw, won a look, Super Bowl. I saw them kill the Giants yes. before he killed two guys <laughs> in Buckhead celebrating in Atlanta and then blamed the other two guys who eventually got off well, as I, they were acquitted. I do believe he did it. 
I, I mean that. It's not that he did. And I was at that same bar, just so you know, that was 1999. Yes. It was a freezing cold Atlanta, Georgia. Turned out to be one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. The Rams won their first Super Bowl with Dick Vermeil and Kurt Warner and crew. They held on to beat Steve McNair, now the late Steve McNair, and the Tennessee Titans by a touchdown. And the game ended with Steve McNair throwing a pass to Kevin Dyson. You ready for this? Inches, inches away. Very good. All Mike, the batters were going crazy. Yes, Mike A. Jones, the Rams linebacker, tackled Dyson inside the one. Yes. And the game ended. So I was there all week, and I was with Sportsline. We had a major announcement that week. We announced MVP.com, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Shaquille O'Neal, me and Scott Kaplan. We were running the city. And that bar that you're talking about was Cobalt. In Buckhead. That's right. Cobalt. Where they Bill had White the fight goes. outside. Yeah. The fight outside. Yes. And we were there the night before. And I'll tell you one quick story. Jamal Anderson, former Pro Bowl running back of the Atlanta Falcons, who played in the Super Bowl the very next year. The Dirty Bird, right? In Miami. Very good. He got so effed up, he started throwing up all over the club. Oh. His bill was 1600 bucks, oh, And he left. He never tipped the waitress a penny. Oh, what a deadbeat. So me and Scott Kaplan walk in. I got no money. At that point, I'm making 70000 a year. I got nothing. And the waitress is crying. And we're like, what's the matter? Why are you crying? Oh, this guy, 1600 bucks. He's a pro bowler. So I got nothing. I got. I think Danielle gave me three hundred bucks for the whole week, <laughs> and I felt so bad. I gave her a hundred dollars. Oh, I, what had a to, mensch. I had to eat spaghetti with ketchup. That's a man. What a double mensch! <laughs> you know, you could have had spaghettio chef Boyardee out of the can, right? What a double mensch! Yeah. I I now have a renewed, higher view of you. Thank you. I gave a hundred bucks. I gave her a hundred bucks. Man, a Benjamin Franklin right and, there. And she had not served me at that point anything. Now I made up for it by the end of the night. <laughs> I drank quite well, a bit. You know, uh, t- to be honest, the men and women out there who do who are servers and waiters, this is how they make their money. That's it. It's on the tip. People don't realize oh, listen, that. I, I was a waiter at Fridays and she said Bay Brooklyn for years. Then my first job Trafe, in Boca. Trafe, you were serving Trafe. I was serving Trafe. was very angry yes. with you. And then when I left rehab in Florida, my first job was at LNN Seafood in the Boca Town Center oh, Mall. Oh, God. All the altacacas. Exactly. And they're on a fixed income. They got no money. They walk in, they go, we love that guy, Sydney. He reminds us of a grandson. I'm in the back going, no, 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 because 10% is all I was getting. It didn't matter. I, it, no matter what I did, I made them biscuits. I washed their car. Didn't 10%, matter. that's all they could afford. Didn't matter. It was brutal. But, but why don't you like uh, Ray Lewis at number one? No, 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 not Ray Lewis. First of all, he played 16 years. You know, Dick Buckets only played eight years. Correct. He was all pro every year. Very he, good. So intimidating. Nobody, even Terry Bradshaw who, let's face it, there was nothing upstairs in his head. He feared no man. He did not want to play against Dick Buckets. So I'll tell you what, a compromise. Because Dick Buckets grew up in Chicago, went to Chicago Vocational High School. You know right there, that's a tough school. University of Illinois. Both these guys never left their state. How about a tie? You get black and white, ebony and ivory. It's sort of like the movie that, uh, in fact, Dick Buckus was in, the one that you love so much, the Brian Piccolo story. He was in it. Yes. Brian's song. Yes, yes. You you love that. I love that. Even though it's the guy, featured the guy who sued me, you remember, uh, J- uh, James Kahn. Jimmy Kahn sued you? Yeah, yeah, because I said he was an affiliate of the Colombo crime family. I had to read an apology on the air. But he, you know something? The he apology, was Jewish. The apology was worse than what I had originally said. One point, we're going to have to play that. You're going to listen to this see, apology. I'm, I'm so jealous of you. Yes, yes. 
I am. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I wish I could just go out and get arrested every night. I wish Jimmy Kahn would sue me. You, you, you know, like, see, see, uh, hey, hey, <laughs> Justin, see if you can find my apology to uh, Jimmy Kahn. I got to hear this. It is the most hilarious thing. They told me we're going to fire you unless you apologize to Jimmy Kahn. Who told you this? Uh, this was over at AM 970, the answer. I spent yeah. four years wasting yeah. my life that I'll never get well, back. And the problem is with the answer is they didn't have an answer. Exactly. And they still don't. And nobody listened. No, nobody no. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it was Billy D. Williams and uh, you're right, Jimmy Kahn. So you want to you want to split it between Ray Lewis and Dick yeah, Buckus? I think so uh, black and white, Ebony and Ivory, both intimidating factors. Although the one great game I saw Kaepernick Super Bowl, remember, I think it was 2000. I was there. The lights went out. I was there too. 34 yeah. minutes. It was in and Ray Lewis was <laughs> huffing and puffing, chasing Kaepernick, and then he was inhaling. Remember the elk antler powder, which was like a conic elixir. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think was nothing more than, obviously, an illegal substance. Uh, it may be. I, I know what you're talking about. And the Ravens uh, did win that game. That was Joe Flacco. And they beat uh, Kaepernick and the 49ers. And that, was a, that was a great Super Bowl. Great Super Bowl. That fact, was a great Super Bowl. Kaep- Kaepernick played well. He should have yes, won. Yes, yes, yes. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call one 866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. But, uh, yeah, maybe not as bad as Thomas Hollywood Henderson when the Cowboys beat the Broncos in the Super Bowl was literally mixing cocaine and water yeah, on and the sideline. Little girl, can you follow me to my hotel room, <laughs> yeah. little girl? You was doing a Lance Rensel. Lance Rensel was <laughs> dropping his drawers and flashing his three-piece set. The guy was like out of central casting. One of the greatest receivers, Dallas Cowboys, Bob Hayes on the other side, Dandy Don Meredith taking the snaps. And he was married to Joey Heatherton. Wow. Drop dead gorgeous. Didn't, from, yeah. Didn't Terry Bradshaw go with Heatherton too? I don't think so. You don't think so? Oh, no, no, no. He was with JoJo Starbucks. That's right, JoJo yeah. Starbucks. Right, no, no, right, I, right. I won't have a latte. I don't go to Starbucks. <laughs> but anyway, let's, let's get back to the Battle of Staten Island. Well, I heard about this today. Uh, actually, I heard about it 11.30 last night. Yeah, I go to bed like 9 o'clock at night. I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm getting old. I just don't care. Yeah, you're real out the cock. Yeah. What can I say? So I got a text from you 11.30 last night, which I saw at 3.08 this morning. And you said, here I am, back in the belly of the beast, me and the Rebels, back at St. John Villa Academy. What happened, Curtis? All kinds of noise going on. The cops were ferrying in illegal aliens. First of all, the whole bottom area, the sewage is backing up, the water is backing up in St. John's Villa Academy, a former all-girls Catholic high school, not ready to be housing any illegal aliens, the stench, this thing. And the people were making noise. The rebels were making noise, the grandmothers and mothers. And nobody complained in the neighborhood in Grasmere. Nobody complained. This is where the war is being fought. We do not retreat. We do not surrender. We battle, and we tell them... Every illegal alien out. Go to Manhattan where they give you, you know, con rosa trailers with a chuleta on top. They give you a hotel room, anything you want in Manhattan. But in Staten Island, they battle you. Midland Beach and St. John's Villa Academy, that's the Alamo. That's where we have stopped the illegal aliens from invading into our city. And that's where the battle continues, Sid. It, uh, it is a battle, and those people out there, they, uh, they don't give up, and you don't give up, which is fantastic. But here's what I don't get. 
I had Lou Gelomino on the show last week. He and uh, Mark are the two brilliant attorneys that won the case. Monsignor Farrell, I might add. Thank you. Not Polly Prep. That's fine, because I couldn't get into Polly Prep because they're just not smart enough. It's okay. Uh, but they're smart enough to win that case. And uh, to be completely serious, uh, they won, and they started taking the illegal aliens out of St. John's Villa Academy. And yeah. people like me, who are not as smart as you, to be honest, when it comes to this, I was under the impression that's it. They're not allowed to yep. go back. Well, that, that was the spirit of the agreement. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, raising the roof for Mexico City. Tonight it'll be Quito in Ecuador. And then he finishes it up in the cocaine capital of the Western Hemisphere, Bogota, with hookers everywhere. But he's going to be studying about the illegal aliens. Hey, you want to know about drogas? Last night they found a pound of crystal meth in the room of an illegal alien at the Ramada Inn and North Cannon Avenue at 9.30 at night. That's right in the Travis section of Staten Island. Who the hell's doing the security? There is no curfew for illegal aliens, but there is. If you happen to be homeless in America, you have to be in your bed by 10 o'clock on night or you lose it. Unbelievable. They're bringing in drugs. They're smoking weed right out in the open. They're drinking cerveza. And what we're beginning to see in Staten Island, especially right there, St. John Ville Academy, guys are driving up. They're picking up young ladies who are staying there in St. John's Villa oh, with no. the mini skirts on, oh, the no. sex traffickers. Oh. And the cops, they oh. don't do anything. They close their eyes to it. So we're allowing crime to take place out of these migrant shelters. Look at this. A pound of crystal meth, and they didn't make any arrests. They know who's the illegal alien room that is, but you see they're untouchables. They can't be deported. You can't do anything to them. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. Put them all on Rikers Island. Yes. Because I have a feeling that half of them will end up doing time on Rikers right. Island. Right. Because they're starting to commit crimes all over the place. You know, I played this. Uh, I didn't play it. I told them about it. Brian Kilmeade. You heard the interview about a half hour ago? Yes. And uh, I said, Brian you got to be shocked. Eric is on my show for 30 minutes last Thursday taking Biden to task. And I thought he was taking Biden to task for the open border. Silly me. He only takes Joe Biden to task because the president won't give him money. He doesn't care about the open border. In fact, and I didn't know this, neither did Brian Kilmeade. I doubt you did too. It is New York policy to keep the borders open. We believe the borders should remain open. That's the official position of this city, but we have made it clear there should be a decompression strategy. What does that mean? That we could probably I do. I don't know what decompression strategy well, is, is, but I, the borders, that's our policy? No, Open I, borders? I, I checked with Councilman Robert Holden, the Democrat from Middle Village. He said, absolutely not. There's nothing written. He just made that crap up. He is the Biden of Brooklyn, just like Joe Biden. He makes stuff up. Why didn't the press corps? Why didn't our own Noam Bladen, Cole Bustum, ask him, is there a document? Can you cite any law? Do you even have a proclamation where that was ever said? Uh, uh, Noam, a very good question. Noam Layden, Curtis just called you out, which he does occasionally. Uh, but he brings up a very, very good question. Why weren't you all over the mayor uh, finding out where this was written somewhere, this policy that uh, we're okay with open borders? Well, we you know, we played that audio, and we were surprised uh, when he said that, of course. Yeah. Well, why didn't you why didn't you press him to find out where exactly it's a policy? Well, you had him on. You could have pressed him. I'm on asking that. you, you stutter mutting prick. Why didn't you ask him? <laughs> can, can we make uh, Noam? Can yes. you ask his overpriced uh, communications director that he uh, made Fabian it? Levy, yes. Yeah, uh, Deputy Mayor. 
Where is it cited in any law, proclamation, statement it's that the official no. position of the city of New York is to promote and encourage borders being open? Nowhere. It's nowhere. You, you've seen the answers we get, we get from City <laughs> no, no, Hall. No, I want more answers. You know what's unfortunate, Curtis and Noam, is I actually kind of like Fabian Levy. I talk to Fabian quite a bit. I kind of like him. He's in an impossible situation because he's part of that group. Maybe he's part of the reason why. I don't know. But uh, to your point, Curtis, no, no, no one has given us any decent explanation. In Avernikov, are they coming to Manhattan Beach? Yes, they are. Uh, and look, today you had a deluge at about 6 o'clock, rain uh, outside. These tents can't handle it. These shelters can't handle it. And meantime, we don't know who these illegal aliens. Did you see the latest report from the Department of Health in the city of New York? Oh tuberculosis has exploded in the last year. We didn't have a case of tuberculosis before last year. Now, for a full year, what has happened? We've had all these illegal aliens coming in, over 125,000, many of them with tuberculosis. Next time we're together, I had latent tuberculosis well, how did for you five get that? years. How did you get Because I was in the colonias of Libertad and Juarez, right on the border with Tijuana, when the Tijuana Police Department was attacking the illegals, raping them, robbing them under the cover of darkness. There was no fence at the time. There was no war whatsoever. It was lawless, sex trafficking, drug dealing. I don't know. We were out there. I'm telling you. No, no. For some reason, I have a vision of, of a younger, drunker Curtis Lee with some whore in Mexico no, doing no, horrible things. I sent you a picture. Ended up with tuberculosis. Did you see the picture that I sent you where we were patrolling in the colonies? I did see that, I yes. know that area. Late. I'm I'm going to bring in the paperwork, and you'll see I had latent tuberculosis for five years. That is dangerous. They have all these young men in tents, some of them with TB. They're coughing. As it gets colder, that TB is going to spread like wildfire. The Department of Health of the city of New York, of Eric Adams, who's partying and raising the roof in South America, says we have an emergency with tuberculosis. What's next? Polio? Ebola, flesh-eating virus? You don't even medically check these people. And now you're going to put them in a tent with a thousand young men, some of them with TB as they're coughing and hacking. Oh, that's probably COVID-19. That's probably the flu. No, that's tuberculosis. And then it's going to spread amongst us in the subways. Look, if I were mayor, and I should be mayor, Every one of these folks would be on Rikers Island. We'd be medically testing them, vaccinations, check their criminal record. And then if they don't behave and they commit crime, like bringing in a pound of crystal meth and selling underage women out in the streets, you're out of here, deported. Get the hell out of our country.